And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a detective adventure of Boston Blackie, starring Dick Kalmar from 1945. Then Lou Parker and Francis Langford star as the Battling Bickersons from 1951. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Look who's over there, Mike Castellan. Oh, hey, hey Mike. Guys. I didn't even see you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see you because of those dimples. <laughs> That's so. right. Can't miss those things, What can man. I say? I'll tell you. You know what? We're going to start things off with my favorite radio series of all time. Boston Blackie. I'm telling you, everybody loves Boston Blackie, Lisa. He was a fictional amateur detective created by Jack Boyle. He actually was a criminal and a safe cracker and master thief. He went to jail and was rehabilitated, and then he decided, I'm going to use my knowledge of the underworld to fight crime. It was known as an enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Now, he was first seen in silent films from 1919 to 1927. Then, Chester Morris starred as Boston Blackie in 14 Columbia Pictures beginning in 1941. He then played the part for one season on radio in 1944. And by 1945, they had a syndicated version starring Dick Kalmar. Dick Kalmar was married to Dorothy Kilgallen. There was a TV series as well. Kent Taylor played Boston Blackie in 58 television shows from 1951 through 1953. Time now for the hypnotic murder. This stars Dick Kalmar. Let's go back to August 6, 1945. Here's part one of Boston Blackie. Up and up in there. Up and up. This is the police. Are you sure this is John Thompson's room, Inspector Farrelly? Sure, I'm sure. Hey, maybe she committed suicide, Inspector, hey? Huh? Say, you might be right. Come on, let's break down the door. Yeah. Uh, 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 harder, Rollins, harder. This should do it. Uh, let's get it. Come on, let's go in quick. I don't smell no gas. Where's the light switch? Don't ask me. I'm a stranger here myself. Hey, hold it. Somebody's over there crying. Here's the light switch. Hey, miss. You, uh, Joan Thompson? Joan. Joan Thompson. Joan. Are you Joan Thompson? Are you the cigarette girl on the Boulevard Club? Yes. You're wanted for the murder of Henry Brightson? No. You left the no. club with him tonight, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Took him home in your car, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, we found Brightson's body on a country road a couple of hours ago. 
There are blood stains in your car. Explain that. All right. Oh, and I killed him. I did it. I did it. That's better. What did you do with the gun? I gave it. You gave it to somebody? Who? I don't think. Look around. See what you can find, Rollins. Yeah, I'm looking, Inspector. What did you do with that gun, Miss Thompson? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Inspector. Here's a telephone number that may mean something. Look, right here on the top of this pad. Let's have a look. Well, uh, I'll say it means something. You know that number, Inspector, hey? Know it. I could dial it in my sleep. That phone number is Boston Blackie's. Now meet Richard Calmer's Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friends. <laughs> Look, Miss Thompson, crying isn't going to do you any good. You're going to answer my question if it takes forever. I told you everything I know. I killed Henry Bright and I admit it. But where's the gun? <laughs> Leave me alone. I told you Blackie was here. Yeah, but when and for how long? And why was he here? Oh, please, leave me alone. Did you give Blackie your gun? I don't remember. Well, start remembering. Did you give your gun to Blackie? Yes, I gave it to him. Okay, Miss Thompson, that's all I wanted to know. Give me a hand, Rollins, for taking this girl to headquarters. Okay, lady, let's go. Hey, Inspector, this doll don't look too good, eh? Okay, so maybe she doesn't feel well. Maybe she needs a doctor. And maybe Blackie won't feel well either when he finds out he's going to need a lawyer. Inspector Faraday speaking. Hello, Faraday. This is Blackie. Blackie, I've been looking for you. So I hear. That's why I called. Yeah? Well, how does it feel to be a murder suspect? Completely natural. Now what have I done? Made a fool out of yourself? Well, I had good material. And besides, I was tired of being so different from you. You won't be able to wisecrack your way out of this one, Blanky. I'm pinning this on you. Faraday, you have trouble pinning your badge on yourself. Okay, be a smart aleck if you want to. But why'd you do it, Blanky? Why did I do it? I don't even know what I've done. You're always so shy about telling me those things. You took John Thompson's gun. Oh, that? Yeah, that. The Thompson girl admits she killed Henry Bryson. Now, why did you have to get mixed up in it by taking her gun? Now you're an accessory after the fact. And you're a cop after the accessory. The cycle's complete. All right, Blackie. I've given you a chance to square yourself. You won't? So I'm coming to get you. Well, come on. It'll be nice seeing you again. Blackie, listen to me. Stop clowning for once and tell me. Why did you do it? It's so simple. Maybe after a few translations of the baby talk, even you can understand it. That Joan Thompson used to be Mary Wesley's best friend. Since when does knowing Mary Wesley make an angel out of anybody? Mary Wesley's qualities are catching. Uh, wait a minute, Barney. Fold your wings, Mary. They're fluttering. Can't. When they're <laughs> unfolded like this, they dust the walls tonight. <laughs> Frankie, is that Miss Wesley with you now? And you ought to see her, Faraday. She looks lovely. Uh, maybe I will see her. Behind bars with you. She could be mixed up in this, too, you know. Look, Faraday, Mary didn't send me up there to take the gun away from the Thompson girl. I did that on my own. I don't trust your ballistics department. By the way, what caliber bullet killed Henry Brightson? None of your business. Well, I'm going to make it mine to keep you in business. So long, Faraday. When I have your killer, I'll deliver him to you all wrapped up. Blackie, you listen to me, Blackie. Well, times certainly haven't changed, Mary. Neither has Faraday. He thinks I had something to do with Henry Brightson's murder. Oh, Blackie, it's all my fault for calling you. But when Joan called me, I didn't know who else to turn to. If you never know who else to turn to, that's fine with me. Yes, but now you're in trouble. Is that unusual? No, but I certainly wish it were. 
Oh, Blackie, what are we going to do? Prove Joan Thompson didn't kill Henry Brightson. But how? She admits she killed him. I think she's admitting that to cover up somebody. Why, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Because you're, because you're not a genius called Boston Blackie. Oh, well, genius, <laughs> what now? Now I think we'll go out and make a night of it. A night of what? Oh, festivities at the Boulevard Club, where your friend Joan Thompson works. But, but why do we go there? To see if we can pick up a couple of clues before Faraday picks up a couple of us. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Williams is completely in my power. Hypnotized. Blackie, is he a fake? The rest of the Boulevard Club is phony enough, Mary, but I think the floor now, show is ladies legitimate. Ladies and gentlemen, you will remember that before the subject was hypnotized, he could not correctly add 27 and 47. Who can? Now, <laughs> while he is hypnotized, I will give the subject three figures to add. And his subconscious mind will calculate the answers with the speed of machinery. If this works, I should have been hypnotized in school. Weren't you? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Williams, 257, 349, 581. Add those numbers together and give me the answer. 1,187. Ladies and gentlemen, add those figures yourself and you'll see that the answer is correct. Blackie, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working on oh, it. Oh, darling, don't write on the table. Now, ladies call. and gentlemen, I think our subject should wake up. Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams. Wake up. Wake up. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, sure. Now, Mr. Williams, give me the correct sum of 257, 349, and 581. Quickly. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> this man would get through life better if he were hypnotized. Me too. <laughs> thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, Mr. Williams. You've been a good sport. <laughs> oh, shucks. Isn't that the end of the floor show? Seems to be. Blackie, was that man look really on the level? I don't know. Well, um, here, here comes that Mr. Williams. Let's ask him about it, huh? All right. Say, uh, Williams. You fool me? Uh, yes, have you got a minute? I'm awful sorry. I've got an awful memory for names and faces. I, I don't think I remember... Oh, you don't know us, Mr. Williams, but uh, uh, we'd like to ask you what it was like to be hypnotized. Were you really hypnotized? I'm afraid I was. Then there's really something to it, huh? Well, I'm not a professional stooge, that's your thinking. I'm just a paying guest, same as you. You added those figures so quickly. Uh, aren't you good with numbers normally? Terrible. I took math in high school for three years and just got by. <laughs> I can hardly add two and two. Well, how is it that you could add under hypnosis then? You have to ask a psychologist about that. Uh, excuse me, please. I got people waiting at my table. Good night. Uh, thanks for coming over. Well, that mentalist is really on the level then, isn't he, Blackie? Yes, I suppose there is a scientific explanation for hypnosis. It's part of the applied psychology course at colleges. Oh, golly, I think we better watch the clock. It's getting late, darling. Oh, all right. There's our waiter. Waiter! Hi, do we, sir? Oh, Blackie, why don't you ask the waiter a few questions about Henry Brightson? What? And get thrown out? Mary, in places like this, the only question you ask is, how much is the check? Oh. Now, if the waiter mentions Brightson first, that's different. Then I could probably... Shh, here he comes. You want something, Joe? Uh, the check, please. Yes, sir. Here you are. Thanks. Enjoy the floor show? Very much. Almost had a little unscheduled show here last night. Our cigarette girl killed Henry Brightson. You read about it? Yes, we did. Sure was exciting. Police all over the place. Say, uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, yes? did the place, uh, did they ever find the man Brightson came in with last night? 
I don't know why not. Dr. James Harris does not have to hide from anybody. He left a long time before Bison did. Why would the police think Dr. Harris killed Bison? Well, I don't know that they do. Uh, say, uh, how did that cigarette girl, um, uh, what's her name, Joan Thompson, uh-huh. uh, how did she get mixed up with Bison? Well, when Bison was about to... Uh, don't ask questions here, sir, because we do not know the answers. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, sir, but we have a policy here never to talk about our customers. Important people come here and it is not right. I'm sorry I asked. That's okay. Here, this should take care of the check. Thank you, sir. I'll be right back. Never mind, keep it. Thank you. Blackie. What's the matter, Mary? You look surprised. How did you know Bryson came in with someone else? I didn't. It was just a shot in the dark. Well, let's stay here until they turn out the lights and maybe you can shoot for the answer to everything. Oh, no, we're getting out of here. Why? See that man over there? He's Edwards, the boss of this joint. Oh, he looks like the boss of a chain gang. Why not? He used to be a member of one. Look at those mugs he's talking to. And look at them, look at us. I think they're going to close in for a better look, too. That waiter must have told him that I was asking questions. Oh, Blackie, and those questions didn't do you any good either, did they? I know it. Well, come on. I'm going to see Joan in jail to try and put the pieces of this puzzle together before Edwards and his pals get the notion that we ought to be taken apart. That is a doctor to see you, Miss Thompson. A doctor? I don't want a doctor. A friend of yours asked me to see you, Miss Thompson. Uh, You want me to come in a cell with you, Doc? She's kind of violent, this one. No, thank you, officer. I'll be all right. Okay. There you are, Doc. Thank you. I'll just lock this door. Tell me when you're through, and I'll let you out, eh? Uh, thank you, I will, yes. Uh, just sit where you are, Miss Thompson. I tell you, I don't want a doctor. Just sit quietly, Miss Thompson. I don't need a doctor. I hope not, Joan, because I'm no doctor. What? But I'm what the doctor ordered, Austin Blackie. Blackie? Blackie, I gave you the gun. What else do you want? Shh. The police are after me, too. That's the reason for the whiskers and my doctor's kid. I don't understand. Why are you here? To help you. Nobody can help me. Look, Joan, I've just come from the Boulevard Club. Something's wrong there. Now, before you left last night, did anyone force you to do anything at all? No. When I got through, I got my hat and my usual cup of coffee and left. You're covering up for somebody, Joan. No. Who? Who killed Henry Bites? I did. Joan, will you stop no. lying? Who's forcing you to say that? I killed Henry Bites, and I killed him. I killed him. I killed him. I admit it. Don't leave me alone. Joan, don't do this to me. I've hidden your gun because I thought you were innocent. Now, tell me the truth, will you? Go away. I killed Henry Bryson, I admit it. I killed him with Morty. All right, Joan. If there's nothing more you can say, there's nothing more I can do. Joan Thompson, cigarette girl in the Boulevard Club and friend of Mary Wesley has confessed to the murder of Henry Brightson. But Blackie and Mary, convinced she is merely covering up for the real killer, try to help her, but learn only that Brightson came to the club with a Dr. Harris, left with Joan Thompson, was later found dead. Blackie's last hope of proving Joan's innocence died later, when in jail, Joan insisted she did kill Brightson. As we return to our story, Blackie's driving Mary to his apartment to pick up the murder gun. Blackie, what are you thinking? A whole catalog of things, Mary. What's on page one? I've never been faced with anything like this before. I know I'm licked. If Joan killed Bryson, she killed him, and that's that. Page two? 
I still want to do something for her, but I don't know what. Well, first you're going to do something for yourself. You're going to get that gun out of your apartment. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do now and send it to Faraday. Then what? Then I don't know what. Well, here's my street. Blackie, is that a police car in front of your apartment house? It's worse than that. It's Faraday's private cruiser. Oh. We're getting out of here. Hey, hey, keep all four wheels on the ground, please. Phew. Sorry, oh. Mary, but that was Faraday himself on the sidewalk, right. and I, I know what he's after. You, of course. First Joan Thompson's gun in my apartment. His men are probably looking for it right now. Will they find it? I don't think so. But this means we have to find something ourselves. What? Well... Remember that waiter at the Boulevard Club said Brightson arrived with a Dr. James Harris? Yes. Dr. Harris is a well-known drug specialist. He could tell me something important. What? Well, the real reason he left the club before Brightson did. That's one thing he could tell me. And what's another thing? Whether or not Joan Thompson can be under the influence of a drug that makes her believe she committed murder. And if he gives you that information, what will you have? A prescription for murder to be filled at the nearest police station. Yes, Blackie, I know Harry Brightson's dead. And a visit from Inspector Faraday with the police just a little while ago. Well, Faraday's really making an effort to earn his pay these days. But I'm sure there are a couple of questions he didn't ask you, Dr. Harris. Yes? You came to the club with Brightson last night. Why didn't you leave with him? Why, uh, I had an emergency call. I can check on that, you know. Well, well, all right then. Brightson and I went to the Boulevard Club for a little private game with the owner, Jim Edwards. I dropped out. Because you ran out of money? No. I left because that game wasn't on the level. And I knew it. Who was crooked? Brightson. I told him so and left. Then what did you do? I came straight home. Got a gun, went back to the Boulevard Club, waited for Brightson to come out, followed him, then killed him. Now, look here. I, I didn't kill Brightson, I tell you. I... Yes, I know that's what you tell me. You can't drag me into this. You, you can't. All I want to do is drag the truth out of you. But I've told you the whole truth. All right. Let's forget the possibility that you might have killed Brightson for the moment. Aren't you a specialist in drugs? So what? Is there a drug that would make Joan Thompson, the cigarette girl, believe she killed Brightson? No. Drugs don't make people think they've done something they haven't done. Under the influence of drugs, people do forget, though. In other words, drugs don't enter into this at all. Being drugged would not make her confess to something she didn't do. I'll stake my reputation on that. Those are pretty high stakes, Dr. Harris. Let's just hope that before this is over, you don't have to pull them up. Hello? Mary, this is Blackie. I've just seen Dr. Harris, and drugs are out. Oh, dear. But something else is in, and if my hunch is right, I'm in, too. What do you mean? Question. Why did Brightson leave the club in Joan's car when his own was parked in a lot outside the club? Answer. His car broke down. Oh, Blackie, Joan told us that. Yes, but we're going to have a look at that car of his, because if it didn't break down, it's going to break up this case. Here's Brightson's car in the parking lot, apparently right where he left it. How will you know whether or not there's something wrong with it? You're no mechanic. <laughs> well, I can try to be one, can't I? 
Guess we'll have a look under the hood. That's where mechanics always start. Why aren't you observing? What do you see in there? Oh, come over and you can look at it too. It's an engine. You don't say. Mm-hmm. Eight cylinders. That bad? <laughs> you're a big help. Well, you're the one who's pretending to be a mechanic. Uh-oh. See something? See those marks on the top of the engine block? Uh, yeah, yeah, the little lines in the trees. Those were made when the contact wires to the spark plugs were removed. Well, yes, couldn't they have just slipped off? All of them at once? No, Pat. Somebody was kidding around with this engine. Only he wasn't kidding. Let's break from Boston Blackie more after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Boston Blackie. Good evening, sir. Good evening, me. Good evening. Oh, you're the same waiter we had here last night. How nice. I'm glad you liked the Boulevard Club enough to come back the second night. Oh, yes, we enjoyed it last night. Especially the poor show. Oh, I hope you have not come to see the mentally. As a matter of fact, we have. We hoped we might be able to volunteer as subjects. Awfully sorry, sir. He is not here any longer. Oh, we missed him. But we have a new act that is excellent. I'm sure you will like it. Yes, I'm sure we will. Now, what would you like for dinner this evening? We haven't decided yet. Uh, could you give us a few more minutes? Of course. All the time you want, sir. All the time you want. Well, Blackie, there goes your theory. And here I go to the telephone. What for? To call Faraday. Oh, Blackie, a little setback isn't going to make you give up, is it? No, Mary. A little information is going to make me give out. Speaking. Inspector, this is Blackie. Where are you, Blackie? I've been looking all over town for you. Well, thanks for the flattery, Inspector, but I don't need it right now. I don't need you at any time, Blackie, but I'm coming to get you. Uh, don't bother with me, Faraday. You have another body on your hands if you can find it. I've already found it. And guess who it is? The hypnotist at the Boulevard Club. Oh, so you killed him, too? I didn't kill him, either. Yeah? And how did you know he was dead? I have a sixth sense. Yeah, so does a horse. Then if you had any horse sense, you'd know who killed Wilner and why. Okay, Biscuit, who did kill the mentalist? Okay, also ran the same guy who killed Brightson. What kind of an answer is that? The right one. Blackie, you know what I'm going to do? Sure, exactly what I tell you to do. First, get a doctor for Joan Thompson. She's been drugged and hypnotized. Get her out of it and she'll stop insisting she killed Brightson. Yeah? Now, what are you going to do? 
What I always do, Faraday, get you your killer. You want to do business with me, Blackie? That's right, Edwards. I have offers from people every day who want to buy into this club of mine. I don't accept them. Oh, I'm not interested in your club, Edwards. Uh, But I am interested in your activities. Meaning what? I think you killed Henry Brightson. I'm not interested in what you think. I also think you killed Wildner, the hypnotist. I'm still not interested. I also think your gun killed them both. Oh, you do? Don't reach for your gun, Edwards. I need only one, and mine's quite handy. You're very fast on the draw. You're very slow on the take. I'm accusing you of two murders, and you don't seem the least bit concerned. Uh, by the way, uh, hand over that gun, will you? I have a permit for this pistol. But the permit doesn't say that you can kill with it. Hand it over. I want to look at it. All right, here. Now you can sit down and make yourself comfortable. Because what I'm going to say to you will make you uncomfortable. That gun of mine did not kill Brightson. It did not kill Wilner. Hasn't been fired in months. I can tell that by looking at it. Are you satisfied? Yeah. Yeah. You can have it now. Now, will you be so kind as to put your gun away? Of course. Well, Aunt Bunham? Yes, much. Now, Edwards, I'm not going to ask you if you killed Brightson and Wilner. I'm going to tell you you did, and why. Can you? Just listen. Brightson caught you cheating at cards and threatened to go to the police. You couldn't afford that. You fixed his car so it wouldn't run and sent him home in Joan Thompson's car. Then Joan Thompson was the last to see him alive, so she must have killed him. Joan Thompson was drugged when she had her usual cup of coffee before leaving the club. And you went along with her until the drug took effect, then stopped the car and shot Brightson. Joan Thompson admits she killed Brightson. Of course. Under hypnosis, she would admit anything. After killing Brightson, you brought Joan back here, had Wilner hypnotize her and impress on her subconscious that she had killed Brightson. You, uh, can prove that? You helped prove it yourself by killing Wilner so he could never blackmail you. The final proof will come when a doctor tells the police that Joan Thompson has been both drugged and hypnotized ever since she was found in her room. Don't move, Blackie. I wouldn't give orders if I were you, Edward. Then I'll let my gun speak for me. Speaks sort of softly, doesn't it? Stay back, Blackie. My gun's just missing. When I'll it's... say it's missing, Edwards. It's missing its bullets. What? I took them out when I pretended to look at you again. Why, you dirty... Oh, no, Edwards. Please, don't call me names. It isn't fair. Because from now on, all anybody will be able to call you is a number. Everything checked, Mary. The police found out that our friend Joan had been drugged. And Joan was made to believe she killed Bryson because she was hypnotized. I still can't believe it. Look into my eyes. What? You are going to sleep. Oh. Look into my eyes. Yes? Now put your arms around me. Yes? Now lift your face up to mine. Like this? And now? Now? This. <laughs> Do you think I'm hypnotized? Well, maybe you aren't, but I am. Let's do that again. <laughs> and that's Boston Blackie 
with The Hypnotic Murder, starring Dick Kalmar. Also in the cast, Leslie Woods and Maurice Tarplin. That's from August 6, 1945, heard on Mutual. In just a moment, we'll tune in to The Bickersons, but Lisa Wolf has something to tell you. You can own the Pearl Harbor Silver Crown coin commemorating the 75th anniversary of the date that will live in infamy. It features President Roosevelt, U.S. ships under attack, and a 75th anniversary privy mark accented with 24 karat gold. This $45 coin is being offered through this special limited time radio offer for only $9.99 plus $4.95 shipping and handling that is 80 percent off the regular price call now to order at 877-739-6214 that's 877-739-6214 or go to bradfordexchange.com backslash p harbor i have this coin as well do you now i'm not shocked absolutely gorgeous just gorgeous. I mean, Bradford Exchange, they've been around a long, long time. They know how to do these coins. And this is a tremendous coin at a tremendous price. It is normally a $45 coin. Yours for only $9.99 yeah. plus shipping and handling. Nothing. Give the number again, Lisa. Sure. It is 877-739-6214. And the URL? Yep. BradfordExchange.com backslash P Harbor. Our listeners will absolutely love this coin. Check it out. All right, it's time now for The Bickersons. This was a comedy series that originally starred Don Amici as John and Frances Langford as Blanche. It premiered in 1946 on NBC and then moved to CBS in 1951. John and Blanche were a married couple who spent nearly all of their time together in relentless verbal war. For a short time, Lou Parker played John. It was created by Philip Rapp. He also created Baby Snooks and Daddy. Now, the sketches usually began with John snoring and Blanche, an insomniac, trying to awaken John from his snoring. The Bickersons inspired The Honeymooners and other TV shows about couples. We have an episode now from August 21st, 1951. This is called John's Snoring Dilemma. It stars Lou Parker and Francis Langford. Here's part one of The Bickersons. The Bickersons, produced, broadcast, and transcribed from Hollywood, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk, but they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Bickersons. And here is John Bickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before we don the gloves for our weekly Bickerson bout, I'd like to present my marital sparring partner in another role. Here she is, your purple heart girlfriend, Miss Frances Langford. Thank you. Every morning it's the same thing. Rush, rush, rush. Get up at seven and make breakfast for you, then clear the things away, straighten the house, make the bed, do the shopping, do the laundry. Why can't I have a maid, John? John! Hmm? John Bickerson, how can you fall asleep at the breakfast table? It ain't easy with all that talking going on. (laughs) 
Wake me in five minutes, Blanche. Take your face out of the oatmeal and sit up straight. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I don't know why I bother to make breakfast for you anyway. You never eat it. What's wrong with the oatmeal, John? Too lumpy. How do you know? You didn't taste it. Didn't have to taste it. I got a lump on my head. Got it all over your clothes, too. You can't go to work looking like that. Go in and change your suit. What for? My other suit looks worse. No, it doesn't. I had it cleaned. Clean? You had no right to do that. Who told you to have my suit clean? What's wrong with you, John? There was a big stain on the lapel. It was filthy. What do you mean, filthy? That was a bourbon stain. <laughs> Been saving it for months. What for? In case there's liquor rationing, I don't want to be caught short. Where's my hat, Blanche? I've got a big day ahead of me, and I'm so tired, I can't keep my eyes open. Well, it's your own fault if you're tired every morning. Your snoring keeps you awake. You keep me awake. It amounts to the same thing. Your snoring wakes me up, and I wake you up to stop it. Why don't you have an operation? What are you talking about? There's no operation to cure snoring. Yes, there is. I cut an article out of the paper about a snore doctor. His name is Dr. Rasper. (laughs) Dr. Rasper? He was the head of surgery at a goat clinic in Salzburg. Goats don't snore. I know they don't. He just used them for experiments. Can't hurt you to let him try, can it? Blanche, I can't afford any operations. I haven't had a single order in three weeks. Maybe there's an order in that letter that came for you. What letter? Arrived yesterday. It's in a big, fat, official-looking envelope. Well, why didn't you tell me yesterday? I wasn't talking to you yesterday. Where is it? Where's the letter? I sent it back to the post office. Blanche, that letter might contain a big order. What did you send it back for? There was 28 cents postage due on it, and I didn't want to break the dollar. <laughs> Pick it up on your way to work. Lend me 28 cents for the postage due. Here. Now, John, you've got to promise me that you'll go through with the operation to cure your snoring. Oh, forget about that quack doctor. He's not a quack. Just listen to what the newspaper I haven't time. It'll only take a minute. Listen. Dr. Hugo Rasper, eminent respiratory surgeon, has accepted a residency at Park Haven Hospital. Hmm. The doctor, a former goat specialist, attained national prominence through his many experiments on snoring. Among his most celebrated patients were the late Lord Martin, the late Charles Canterbury, and the late Countess... John, where are you going? I'm going out of here before you make me the late John Bickerson. I was down at the market shopping. I never saw such prices. Can you lend me some eggs, Blanche? You were down at the market. Why didn't you buy some? At 93 cents a dozen? That's what we pay. I don't lay them myself, you know. (laughs) Forget about the eggs. What are you putting on those old rags for? I've got to see a doctor. What's wrong with you? Not me. It's John. Clara, does Barney ever disturb you in the middle of the night? Terribly. Sleeps with a smile on his face. (laughs) If I ever find out who he's dreaming about, I'll kill him. Well, John snores and he's driving me mad. I'm going to arrange to have him operated on. Who are you going to? Dr. Hersey? No, Dr. Rasper. He's a surgeon who just arrived in town, and there's a whole article in today's paper about his new operation to cure snorers. Dr. Hersey's going to be terribly hurt. All these years, you've sort of been promising him John's nose, and here you are giving it to a perfect stranger. Well, Dr. Rasper's a specialist. Dr. Hersey can have any other part of John he wants. (laughs) I just want this snoring operation to be perfect. Doesn't sound good to me. Well, listen, Clara, in Hmm. case I get detained at the hospital, would you kind of look in on our animals? Well, what do you feed them? 
Well, the canary gets tomato juice, the goldfish gets hamburger, and the cat gets a can of puss in boots. You give that to the cat? I've been feeding it to Barney. Does he like it? Loves it. And you ought to see the way his eyes shine in the dark. Well, I've got to go and make arrangements for the doctor now. Uh, Blanche, look, I don't want to mix in, but do you think John will agree to be operated on? You know how he always screams about money. Yes, but there's a special delivery letter for him at the post office, and John seemed to think it was a big order. He gets a commission on every bowling ball he sells, you know. But an operation might cost hundreds of dollars. Well, Dr. Asper has a convenient credit plan, and the way it works is that you're completely healed the day you make your last payment. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, suppose this big order is for, say, 20 bowling balls a week. Mm-hmm. How long would it take John to make $300 if his commission is a cent and a half a ball? I don't know, but it seems like an awful long time for a man to have his nose in a sling. Next? You got a special delivery letter here for John Bickerson? Oh, you want the dead letter window. You're on the wrong line. I've been on six lines. Dead letters, stamps, parcel posts, registered letters, money orders, and complaint department. I've been kicked back and forth in this building like a used Republican. Would you mind lowering your voice? Part of our civil service examination is a hearing test. Oh, is that so? Yes, it is. I happen to be a government employee, you know. I don't care if you're Margaret Truman. I'm a taxpayer. (laughs) This is not the Bureau of Internal Revenue. There's a lot of things it's not, including a post office. But there's a special delivery letter here for me, and I'm going to get it. Why did you break our weighing scale? I didn't break it. It must have been weak. Now, where's my letter? And don't tell me you haven't got it or I'll have you arrested for robbing the mail. I'm looking for your letter now. Wasted a whole morning in this broken-down post office. Oh, here we are. Homer Fickett. Bickerson's the name. John Bickerson. Sorry, nothing with that name. What about that one on top? That looks like my name. Let me see it. It is mine. I've lost out on a big order on account of your stupidity. What the devil is this? Looks like an advertising circular. Dear fellow sufferer, Dr. Rasper can end your snoring forever. Well, even the persistent dripping of water will eventually wear away a stone. So after seven years of cycloid insomnia, or blasters reaction... John Bickerson has finally yielded to Blanche's demands and consented to allow a specialist to relieve his condition. Outside his room at the Parkhaven Hospital, Blanche Bickerson has a last-minute conversation with Dr. Rasper. Listen. He's all right, Mrs. Bickerson. The nurse is giving him a sedative now. Nothing can go wrong, can it, Dr. Rasper? He won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatever. What causes a man to snore like that, Doctor? Well, he's a mouth breather, very likely suffering from Kleinfeld-Sturder, a respiratory disorder resulting from a postpharyngeal condition. Does he drink anything? Anything. <laughs> the operation won't hurt, will it? Not the slightest. All we have to do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. Well, I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Rasper, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? I should say about $40, but I wouldn't advise the operation without it. 
All right, Dr. Rasper. I think you better run along, Mrs. Pickerson. It's past midnight. He's got to get a good night's rest, and you can come and see him in the morning. Well, I'll just look in on him to make sure he's sleeping. Very well. Good night, Mrs. Pickerson. Good night, Doctor. He left one of his goats here. <laughs> Isn't that awful? That's the first portion of the Bickersons. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here for Remind Magazine, America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind Magazine focuses on a pop culture theme from the 1950s to the 1980s, covering a wide spectrum of topics from Marilyn Monroe to Marilyn Manson. In every 50-plus page issue of Remind Magazine, you'll find dozens of puzzles, movie posters, trivia contests, classic comics, crossword puzzles, vintage advertisements for products from days gone by, and much more. And every issue features my column, Radio 360, where I focus on a celebrity from Hollywood's golden age and write about his or her radio work. And next to my article is the monthly schedule of the classic radio shows I'll be playing each month so you'll never miss your favorites. Remind Magazine is available at Barnes & Noble and Walmart stores throughout the country. But because I write for this magazine, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can get Remind Magazine for about 60% less than the newsstand price by ordering it online at RemindMagazine.com. Visit RemindMagazine.com and subscribe today. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to The Bickerson, starring Lou Parker and Francis Langford. Then we'll begin a ten-part adventure on Adventures by Morris with The Cobra King Strikes Back from 1946. You won't want to miss part one. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360. See you then.